Children can go ahead and be dismissed to Children's Church. Our passage this morning will be in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. We'll be continuing our series entitled, Teach Us to Pray. So Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord says this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word this morning. You may all be seated. from Jack and Jerry Holland um, just as a way of gratitude. It's been a heavy week in the life of our church. We've had two separate passings. Uh, Grant Kelly, who's a longtime member here, uh, passed away early this morning. He went to be with Jesus this morning. And on September 18th, um, Megan's baby, Luke Aaron, went to be with the Lord as well. So on behalf of Jack and his family, I'd like to read this letter uh, to the church as a way of uh, just uh, thankfulness for your support in this trying time for them. Jack writes, on behalf of my family, I would like to thank you for your faithful prayers during this difficult time. September 18th, 2021 is a day that we will never forget in our family as Luke, Aaron, Beatty <clears throat> came to us three months early. And was with God as quickly as he came. Although we experienced great sadness, it was with incredible joy that we will see him again. How amazing to have a loving God who loves us through the blood of Christ in spite of our, weak, our wickedness. In the latter hours of that morning, I was reading from Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, which says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Luke Aaron fulfilled whatever his duty was that God had for him. And we must do the same thing, for this truly is the conclusion of the whole matter of life. And to fear God and to keep his commandments. We know that life is a vapor which leads to even more of desperation to serve God at this time. He has granted us. God's blessings are eternal. The flesh is temp temporary. 
We ask for continued prayers. We remember our beautiful child. Child, and that we all would honor his memory by honoring our gracious God who gives life eternal. Let me take a moment to pray for them as we get started this morning, and then I'll have a few announcements. God, I cannot imagine the pain that our Alex and Megan, Jack and Jerry and the boys are going through and the grandparents. But I'm so grateful, God, you know what they are going through as you gave us your son and lost your son for us. I pray that you would bring comfort to them. I pray that you would be with their family and bring the peace that only you can bring in this dark, dark hour. I pray that they would feel the love from this church, the support from this church, the care from this church. I pray, God, that you would use all this for your glory. I do not know how you would do that. But I can rest assured that you will do that because your promises are true. So lead them, guide them. Sing over them with shouts of praise. I pray this would forever be true for them. They would know this to be true from your word. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is mighty to save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and He will quiet you with His love. He will exalt you with a loud singing. He will, all, he will gather all those who mourn for a festival. I pray that would be true for them, God. As you would sing over them this morning. They feel your presence because you are in their midst. I pray that for Diane this morning as she has lost Grant. Pray for their children. You would comfort them in their, your love. God, I pray that we would all be protected from our doubt, from our disbelief, and that we would see that you are a good, good God. So lead us, guide us, as we offer ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice to you. I pray this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our King. The people of God said, Amen. Do I do come this morning with a heavy heart and I pray that God would give us the perseverance to make it through this passage and this morning's message. Just as a way of announcement in the back, you'll see to my right, to your left, as soon as you go into uh, the, oh, I'm losing my train of thought. As you come into the church this morning to my right, to your left is a tin bucket for candy. 
on October the 23rd. We're having a trunk or tree out uh, front. Uh, please sign up as well for that if you're willing to uh, let us use your trunk uh, so that our kids can treat. Uh, please sign up for that and please provide uh, food for that. That is October the 23rd. More details will come in the next few weeks with times and all that. Um, also, we've been praying for a youth pastor, uh, so we'll take time to pray for that now. I was telling the deacons I was away for eight weeks. Here's the deal. I, I'm just going to have to be honest. I went through security at the airport. I, if anyone could tell me the reason you have to take your belt off, that'd be a huge thing. Somewhere between here and Atlanta, my belt is lost, and so my pants keep falling down. Uh, so if you're like, why does he keep jacking his pants up? It's because I had to take my belt off. Uh, and I've lost my only black belt. And I was like, I can't rock a brown belt with a gray and black uh, suit. So I apologize uh, for that. Uh, I might need like a drawstring or something. Uh, but I'm super distracted because I'm like, my pants. So anyway, uh, we have been taking time to pray for a youth pastor. We'll take that time. Then we'll jump into God's holy word this morning. Let's pray again. God, we have been coming to you, asking, pleading with you that you would provide us a youth pastor. And we continue to pray for that. Whether they're here in our midst now, we pray that you would, through the Holy Spirit, uh, prick their hearts to uh, receive that call to minister to, to your youth. And God, there's not a more desperate time for children than today for our youth. Uh, the wickedness, the depravity that's all around, God. We desperately need someone to care for them, to preach and teach them from your word so that their word and your word would be a lamp unto their feet and would be the sword that they would wield against the enemy. We pray for that person. Whether they're here in our midst or not, if they're not here, God, we pray that you would send them to us. Uh, that a family would come and have a passion for you, a passion for children, for youth. So we ask that. And lastly, God, as we come in uh, to October, we have said, God, if that, those two prayers have not been answered by October, we would do our due diligence to go find someone. So I pray that you would begin to give us wisdom who that person is. So we've been praying, prepare us for them and them for us. Now, God, we come to you and ask through your Holy Spirit, to illumine our hearts and our minds to your holy word that is uh, infallible, inspired, and inerrant. It's been given to us by you as a gracious gift to know you more. And as we know you more, we'll be revealed about how little we know you, but how desperately, desperate we are for you. So lead us, guide us, as we look again at your prayer that you gave your disciples years ago. We pray this all in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. As Jared said, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11 this morning. My hope is to walk us through this section, uh, just a handful of words this morning. Those handful of words are, give us each day our daily bread. Uh, I was telling Jared, Jared did a great job last week. I gave him a very hard, hard uh, passage to teach the will of God. Uh, I thought he, uh, from what I heard, he did a great job. So, Jared, thanks for filling in last week. I told Jared, I just was thinking, God, I didn't have to teach that passage. Um, 
I don't know if that's nice, fair, uh, but when you're the pastor, you can kind of do those things, and I did those things, uh, but he did uh, a great job last week, and so now we'll be back in the middle. Here's the turning point in this passage, in this prayer. Uh, if you've been with us, or if not, just go online, listen to the messages. There's these petitions that the Lord has been showing his disciples. The disciples come to Jesus and they've been witnessing Jesus and they've been witnessing his power and the power to raise people from the dead, his power to multiply food and to multiply bread and fish. And they've seen all these miracles that Jesus has been doing. And the disciples come to him here in this passage after he is done praying and they say to Jesus, hey, teach us to pray like that. Because we see something in you that when you pray, miracles happen around you. So whatever power that is being given to you as you pray to go do these miracles, please teach us to pray that way. And so Jesus sits down his disciples and he teaches them to pray. Now this is a model how to pray. This is not how you have to pray. Like this is the only way. To, this is a model for us to pray. And in this model prayer, Jesus gives these petitions. Those petitions, as you remember, are the first four weeks. We've looked at these first four petitions. Last week was the will of God, that we want to pray for the will of God. The first week, though, was that we would pray to God as our Father. What Jesus is revealing to us in the first word of the prayer is that we have a compassionate Father that we can go to. Up until this point, God was this, uh, this being that was so distant, but he was not a personal God. And so Jesus is going to show his disciples, yes, he is a magnificent God, but he's a very personal God. So much so that you can call him father or very, uh, an endearing word, daddy or Abba. So it reveals to us his compassion. And then he said to this, after you see God as your father, Abba, you also have to look to him as holy. Not just God the Father, but he's a holy father. It's his essence. Every other characteristic of God will flow out of his holiness. So I can't just say it's God's character to be holy. No, it's his very essence. It's his very being. And all the other characteristics of God flow out of his holiness. Therefore, we can say his love is holy. His kindness is holy. But also we can say that his judgment is holy. All the characteristics of God, his essence is holy. And then last, uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at God as our king or God rules over all things. So Jesus is pointing us first to who God is. God is a compassionate father. He's a holy God. And he is the king that reign, reigns supreme over all things. And now in these last three petitions, he moves us to what God can do for us or what God will do for us. It's the promises of God. Jesus does not start with the promises of God, I believe, because he wants us to see who God is. Therefore, we can then hold God to his promises. So he's going to start with who God is. Then he's going to reveal now in these next three petitions what God can do for us. And we'll cover Three of those. We'll cover one this morning and then the next two the, the following weeks. What we're going to cover this morning is that we can trust that God is a provider. 
But if we don't understand that God is our Father, that God is holy and God rules over all things, then we'll be distorted in how we view him as a provider. We're going to look at him as a provider this morning. Next week, we'll look at him as the Savior. He's the forgiver of all of our sins and calls us to do the same. And the last thing that we'll look is God as our supporter or the one that gives us support. He says, lead us not into temptation. But all these three things can be summed up in what Martin Luther said. It was the very last words that he ever wrote. Martin Luther was a great reformer. He was the man that nailed the theses to the Catholic door uh, against the way the Catholic church. He, he's a godly man, a man of great boldness. He sought God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. He walked deep with the Lord. But these are the last words that Martin Luther ever penned. His friend had gone into his bedroom that day and found that Luther had passed away. And so he was preparing Luther's body and getting him ready. And yet he found on Luther's study or his desk this small piece of paper that Luther had just written either that evening or days prior. But this is what he said. Simple words but powerful words. Of all the words that Luther could have penned at the very last days of his life, he penned this. We are beggars. That is true. That's what we're going to talk about these next few weeks. God, through Christ, in his prayer, is going to reveal to us just how needy we are. Now, that's hard for us to imagine here in America that we're not really needy people. I, I mean, I'm not that needy. I can get on my phone right now, and I, I did this. I, I wanted to have uh, vanilla sweet cream, cold brew, coffee. I didn't have the, enough ingredients, so I got on my phone. I hit Amazon, and within hours, at my front door. Now, that's halfway ridiculous, but that's also awesome. But I think we live in this culture that is removing us away from just really how needy we are. Because at, at the drop of a hat, at a phone call, at, at a push of a button, we can have all of our needs met instantaneously. So we don't really feel needy anymore, do we? And so what Jesus is going to reveal to us in these next three things is just how needy we are. We know that by the very first words that he penned in this section the word give my hope is to do this i'm going to look at these few words give us each day our daily bread so those four sections i'm going to cover this morning the first word is the the word give the word give that jesus wrote means this it means to give freely with no strings attached but look where Jesus says, he starts off by saying, hey, there's this thing that we have to have. But we can't meet this need on our own. We need someone to give it to us. That is what the idea of being a beggar is. A beggar was simply a man or a woman that was led to the streets to be placed on a dirty street to beg for all of their needs to be provided for them. And Jesus says to us, we must have someone that will provide for our every need. We need someone to give it to us. We cannot 
give this to ourselves. You may look at the pastor and say it's really easy to go up to Publix and get my daily bread. I'll get to that at a moment. But we need God to do for us what we could not and will not do for ourselves. We need him to give us something. But in giving us something, we have to understand this. There are no strings attached to God's provision. God isn't saying, I'll give you this, and in return you have to do this. Because we have studied the first three petitions. He is a compassionate father. A compassionate father gives freely to their children with no strings attached. Over and over and over again in the Gospels, you see Jesus asking the lame, the blind, the poor. And he asked them this question over and over. You, you see it in John chapter, or Matthew chapter 20 where he sees blind Bartimaeus and the other blind man on the roadside. And they cry out to Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. And, and what does Jesus say to them? He says to them, what do you want me to do for you? I don't think it's because Jesus is stupid. Like Jesus can look at a blind man and know exactly what he needs, correct? He's Jesus. But what Jesus is doing over and over in the Gospels, when he asks the most obvious question, he is pointing out to them just their need that they have for him. And so Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? And at that moment, they have a decision they have to make. How needy will they be? They could have said to Jesus, hey, give us a few more pennies in this tin can. Or, hey, give us a piece of bread. Or, hey, give us some food. Or, hey, take us on a walk. But it's, he, they say to him, we simply want our sight back. And Jesus, in pity, touches their eyes and it, it heals them. Christ is asking us this morning the same question, what do you want me to do for you? The promise is he'll give it to us if we simply will ask for it. We know that from Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through, uh, 7 through 11. Jesus says this, it's the greatest sermon ever, ever written, ever spoken, ever given. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gave it himself. But he says this, in Matthew chapter 7, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. This is where he's going to talk about being a loving father. Or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil, could you imagine being a dad on that hillside being called an evil in that moment? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now the giving has to come through what? The asking. So Jesus is telling us, hey, I, we have a Father that's reigning supreme over all things and in His holiness, He wants to give us something. But are we willing to ask for it? He's going to tell us what we need to ask for at the end of this section. So my question to you, my question to me this morning is this. 
Do you know what you need to ask God to give you? That only He can give you. But what is it you're willing to ask God for this morning? Because the promise in this passage is He will give it to you with no strings attached. He says that to us back in Matthew. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. So to you, to me, church, this morning, what are we asking God for that he will freely give to us? I wonder how often we don't ask. We don't believe he'll give it to us because we don't really believe that he's a compassionate father who's full of holiness, who reigns over all things. Remember what the psalmist says to us. He says we have a compassionate father who's full of holiness that reigns supreme and there's a thousand cattle on a thousand hills they belong to him and he'll freely give it to us i don't think we ask because i don't think we believe that he'll truly give it to us so we don't ask and we stay self-sufficient I think this culture has made us more self-sufficient than ever before. We need to be needy. Remember what Jesus says. He said, for the kingdom of God is for them, the children. Anybody have children in the room? Innocent here. She's super needy. And I love it about her. But children are needy, and God says the kingdom is for what? The needy. Are we going to be needy? Because the promise is he'll give it to us. The next word that we see is the word us. He will give us. Circle that in your Bible. This points to that we're not alone in our neediness. See, what Satan wants to do is to isolate us, that we, that, to make us think we're the only needy people. But what Jesus is saying to us, no, us. He doesn't say, pray to give me my daily bread. He says, pray to us. Pray that God will give us, all of us, our daily bread. Because we're all needy people. Every one of us in this building this morning are needy. We need God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. But Satan has planted the lie that you're the only one in the building that's needy. But you're not. Myself included. Even the pastor, I'm a needy, needy person. Not only does it remind us that we're not alone or need us, but it also reminds us that there's brothers and sisters around the world that are in great need today. It's so easy for me to forget that there are literally Christians around the world that are starving because their most basic needs aren't getting met. The hardest decision I'm going to have today is when I leave here and I have four different options because I have four different people in my car that want to go to four different restaurants. That's going to be my hardest decision, where I go to eat. Not what I, and then I get to the restaurant, then what am I going to eat? But we have believers, Christian believers all over the world. They're just wondering where their next meal is going to come from. 
And so what Jesus is showing to us, hey, give us and reminding us there's people that are in great need and then saying to us, don't forget those that are around the world. I wonder what Jesus is going to say to the American church when we all get to heaven. We have brothers and sisters all around the world that are dying in great need. And we're building multi-million dollar buildings. $20 million building? Do you know how much $20 million could do for the missionaries that we support in Indonesia? Could you imagine, Rob, if we, as a church, sent them $20 million? Now, I'm not saying not to be wise with what God has given to us. I'm not saying that. God has richly blessed us here at our church. But I will say this. Are we remembering the us with our half a million that's sitting in a bank account right now? I will ask that question. Because $100,000 we sent to Jeff would go a long way. Again, I'm not saying not to be wise stewards of what God has given to us. But we're not promised tomorrow. If we have that money just for our own security, then we're not doing what we'll, what we'll see in the next few words of this passage. We're not trusting for God's provision. We're trusting in our bank account. And shame on us if we're doing that. Let's be reminded of the us, of the other believers around the world that are struggling to have their most basic needs met this morning. Let us live with a generosity in the us. But then Jesus goes on, he will give us what? Each day, or as other translations, your translation may say this, today. Jesus here is reminding us that we must ask for what we need today. Not tomorrow, not the next day, not six months from now, not ten years from now, but are we asking God to give us exactly what we need for today? This would have reminded the listeners on that hillside that day of their ancestors. Remember their ancestors, Jesus, our God, had led them out of slavery in Egypt into the wilderness. Remember what happened in the wilderness. They began to complain that God had delivered them. Do you, do you remember that story? They wanted so badly to go back into slavery because they weren't eating the way they had eaten in Egypt. Now, I can't imagine that food being that good. But then what does God do? God then provides what for them each day? Manna. So every day they had this complaint to God. God says, okay, I'll give you exactly what you need today. All you have to do is wake up in the morning, go out of your tent, and pick the stuff off the grass. It's going to be manna. It's going to look like bread. And you eat that for today. Well, you remember what the Israelites started doing? They started hoarding. Why? Because they didn't believe that God would keep his promises, that God was a good God, that God was a God of 
provision, so they started hoarding. And God says, it's not kind of how it works. And it started spoiling. And the people started complaining again. But God will provide us exactly what we need to the penny of what we need. He, throughout history, has shown us that. But here's what is true. God is providing for us today what we need. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, 34. He says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will have its own anxieties. And I will provide for you today. God gives us just enough for today. So he's saying, ask and it will be given to you. He, God, will give it to us. Us is a reminder we're not the only ones that are in need. There's others that are in need around us. And there's others outside of us that are in great need. He'll give us what you need today. And what will he give to us? He will give us our daily bread. I think these few words point to two things. They point to these two things. I believe these, these words, our daily bread, are both the physical needs and more importantly, our spiritual needs. You know, the basic, most basic need for every human being is bread, food, shelter, and comfort. And so Jesus, in saying our daily bread, I, I don't think he just means bread that we eat. I think what Jesus is saying is our most basic needs, God is and will provide for us if we ask it but I believe so much more is about our spiritual needs do we realize how much we need Jesus today to meet our, our most basic spiritual need I've said this illustration before, I'll say it again. If all that you did in your physical life when it came to nourishment was come and eat one time for 30 to 40 minutes, sometimes longer when I go, I know, I'm sorry. Not really, but I need to say that. If all you did was have one 30-minute meal a week you would starve to death. It's, that's not enough. And that's what Jesus is saying to us in our spiritual needs. We need to come to God daily to have our spiritual needs met. And so Jesus is saying to us in this prayer, give us each day our daily bread, but we must come to him asking for it. If I'm sitting at home on my couch and I'm not asking God to meet my spiritual needs, it's not just going to come land in my lap. I've got to go seek it, find it, knock for it, go hungry after it so that my needs are met by him. It's not just going to happen. Are we seeking God for our spiritual food on a daily basis? Because the promise is this, what he will give it to us. God is not like withholding, like, ah, I want to, let's see how long it will take for them to seek me. 
He's not up, he's not in heaven playing some kind of cosmic devotional game. He wants to just give it out to you. The same way when your kids come with needs, don't you just want to give it to them? Even when it's not a need, it's like, I just want to give it to them. I, I want to make them happy. I want them to enjoy life. I, I, like, I want to give it away freely. That is the God that we serve. He wants to give it to us freely. What are we asking Him for our daily bread to be met? The last thing, and then we'll go into a way of application, is this. One writer says it this way. I think this is so beautiful. When we look at our most basic needs, the Lord's Prayer is teaching us to know the difference between our needs and our greeds. What is your most basic need? Not as what, what is your most basic greed. What is your most basic need? I'll tell you what your most basic need is. It's found in John chapter 6. Let's turn there. Our most basic need is for bread. Our most basic spiritual need is bread. Of all the words that Jesus could have said in his prayer to teach us to pray, he says this, give us each day our what? Our daily bread. Now in John chapter 6, the first section of that passage is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. After that, Jesus walks on water. After that, the next day, after feeding the 5,000, walking on water, this great crowd starts hovering around Jesus. And Jesus has this conversation with him, them. And he says this in verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, our teacher, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you were seeking me not because of you were you were seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you were filled with loaves. You had, I just met your needs. Now you're seeking me for more of those needs. And then Jesus says this to them. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to, to eternal life, which is the Son of Man, that's myself, Jesus, will give to you. For in Him, God, the Father, has set His seal, or His promise. Then they said to Him, that the crowd that was following Him, that had just been fed the day before, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What do we make sure that we keep on doing this so that we get this result is basically what the crowd is saying. Jesus answered them, this is the works of God, that you believe in him who sent me. You don't have to do anything but believe. That's what he's saying to the crowd. I, I know you come to me because your tummies are full, full of bread, and they want to know how do we continue to have our stomachs full? What do we need to do? What do we need to work on? And Jesus says, all you need to do to have full stomachs is to believe in the one who sent me. That's God. And believe me. And they said to him, And what sign 
do you do that we may see and believe you? If we want to believe, so what's the sign we got to believe? What works do you perform? And then they reference back to the Exodus story. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. And he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Start, Jesus is starting to reveal this God that gives freely those who ask and give bread to satisfy them. Then Jesus pulls what only Jesus can pull and says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave them the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread. Like this bread that comes from heaven, we want that. We want satisfaction in that. We want all that. It, it reminds us in John 4 when the woman at the well said, hey, I don't want to keep coming to this well. And Jesus says, I've got some water that I can give you. And then Jesus says this. Jesus said to them, I am what? Bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not what? Shall not be hungry. Whoever believes in me shall never be thirsty. But I say to you, that you have seen and yet you do not believe. And all the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will not cast out. He goes on and says, he's had this long conversation, and then again he says this in verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I give will be the life of the world. That is my flesh. And then he says this in verse 58. This is the bread that came down from heaven not like the bread from our fathers that ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread or feeds on me will live forever. And what did Jesus tell us to pray for in Luke chapter 11? Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. Who is Jesus? He is our daily bread. My question to you, my question to me, my question to us as a church is this. Are we coming to Jesus every day as our daily bread? Because he promises us he will grant us that and we will never hunger again. If you're hungry this morning spiritually, it's because you are not feasting on the bread of Christ. May we feast on him. This is one of those moments COVID hit us, I wanted to do the Lord's Prayer, but wanted to actually take bread this morning. Those wafers would not cut it. I want us to be reminded, when we come to the Lord's table, what, did he, what does he do? He broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat it. May we eat of the bread of life this morning. Let us pray.